Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Amen. Well, this evening we're continuing our series on the fullness of God. I truly believe this is an important word for nowadays especially, and particularly within our culture, because people are uh, getting more irritated by the day. And they are, and there, there is this sense of, you know, I've been done wrong, or, you know, it isn't fair, and all that. And you know, in some cases they're not wrong, but you can't dwell on that. Because it's not faith. Amen. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the devil and discontent. You know, the Bible says, let us be content with, you know, that, that, that godliness is profitable when it's accompanied by contentment. Everybody say, I'm content. I'm Several of you said that, but it didn't sound convincing. <laughs> I am content. Well, you know, Adam and Eve were placed in an absolutely perfect environment. It was paradise. Perfect surroundings, perfect weather, perfect provision, perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, like we even use the word Eden as a synonym for, for perfect or paradise. Everything was right there provided. It was the very epitome of just, you know, a paradisical existence. You know, the very peak of excellence. Every single need was met. So, what else could there be? So here is Lucifer... Halel bin Shachar, saying he wants to subvert God and he's looking at him going, how can I twist this? How can I get them to rebel? How do you tempt people that are in this kind of a situation? You know, most people think that if their world was perfect, they would be happy. All right. But our first parents are unequivocal proof that there is that is absolutely false. Our first, you know, the enemy had a good plan. Genesis chapter three, verses five and six. For God knows that the day that you eat, remember the tree, the knowledge of good and evil from the day you eat from it. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, I know people say that this was Adam and Eve wanting to be God and it was not. That's, that, that's, that's ludicrous. They knew better than that. But they also were so close to the throne of God, from, uh, which apparently... They never got to go there. 
They never got to stand, but they had not come to the place where they were permitted to come into the divine council and stand before, before Yahweh. How do I know that? Because John says, no man has seen God at any time. Paul says he, that he dwells in unapproachable light, which no man has seen nor can see. So, well, who was it that walked with Adam in the garden? It was the word. Yes. Yahweh number two, the word. You know, visible Yahweh. And so, you know, they saw the Elohim, watcher class spirits coming and going. And the beings of fabulous majesty. And so Lucifer, who was, of course, the most, he was the, 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 the very thing of perfection. You know, a lot of people think of the devil as something off of the twilight zone, you know, with the horns and the cloven hooves, the pitchfork, the tail. No, 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 no. He is so, he is an angel of light. He still is. Uh, not in the theological sense, but in the, the, in, the, in the physical sense. He is still a radiant, glowing, awesomely beautiful being. And he comes up and he says to her, you know, if you do that, you're going to know good and evil like the rest of us. You'll be one of the cool kids. You'll get to join that. And, you know, you know, and the idea there is he's almost like a car salesman. How can you be happy without this? How could you possibly be satisfied with this? When you know there is something more. But you want more. How many of you know it says over in Proverbs that the eyes of a man and I will add woe man are never satisfied. Right? And so the seeds of discontent and the seeds of covetousness were sown. Now we do not know how long it was. The Bible is written in precy form. It's, it's, it's a condensed version. And so we do not know how long it was before Eve took the apple and ate. We don't know how, you know, how, you know what discussions took place, if any, between her and Adam. We, we, we don't know any of that. But now the enemy has succeeded in getting her f and their, not just hers, both of their focus, their foci, their focuses off of God and this wonderful, his goodness and onto what we don't have. We have a, back here in the office, we have a hot water dispenser it, it heats hot water you know it's instant hot water you just turn the little thing and it spits out 190 degree water and we just replaced it the the, the third one you know it, it seems that this particular brand has a shelf life or i mean a, a lifespan of about three three and a half years and then they they give up and it's, you know, for the longest time, you'd turn it on and it'd take 13, 14 seconds for the water suddenly to get up there instead of being instant. And then it would just start spewing it because it was sucking air. And it would, you know, and, and Lita was talking about how she would walk up and, you know, do front like this, you know, so that it wouldn't, you know, or minimize the hot water splash and everything. And we were laughing about how it's only been, we've only been out without 
the, the thing for two days. How? She said, you know what? I never drink tea. But several times during these last two days, I found myself craving a cup of hot tea. And I told her, I know, because, you know, I, I'd be sitting at my desk and go, you know what, a cup of tea, I've got, I've got some Typhoo, some British tea in there that, that I really like, and, and, and you know, just a, a cup of Typhoo would be really good right now, except I haven't got any hot water, and I'm too lazy to put the cup in the microwave for, you know, however long it takes, you know. When you can't have it, it's amazing how suddenly you want it. Everybody say flesh. Yeah. In fact, in, we see in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband, who I believe was standing right there with her. And he ate. Look at this. The tree was good for food. Lust of the flesh. Delight to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Desirable to make one wise. The boastful pride of life. There they are. There's just, you know, it leads people to do stuff. I mean, this evening, this afternoon, I came home from the office to, you know, get ready. And I hear this whimpering in the great room. And I'm like, what? What now? And it's Liam sitting there. And he had been playing this game on the iPad. He gets an X amount of screen time every day. And he finished the game. But it wouldn't declare him finished and it's the end of the world as we know it and he's like this and I said son quit that you know and you're like and the reason it bugs me so much is because it reminds me of me And you can get so focused on it that it just destroys your entire mood and worldview. Let me give you a biblical example. Those are the best kind. First Kings chapter 21. Verse 1. Now it came about after these things that Navot, the Yisraelite, had a vineyard which was in Israel beside the palace of Ahab, Ahav, Ahab, the king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke to Nevot, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is close beside my house. And I will give you a better vineyard than it in its place, if you like, or I will give you the price of it in money. But Nevot said to Ahav, Yahweh forbid me that I would give you the inheritance of my fathers. He's quoting, he is standing on the law, the law of Moses. He, he said, I'm not going to, this is our family inheritance. I, I can't do that. So Ahab, listen to what Ahab did. This is a giant, an emotional giant among men. Ahab came into his house sullen and vexed. And because of the word which Nevoth, the 
Yezreelite had spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. So he, lay, he Ahab, lay down on his bed, turned his, away his face, and sucked his thumb. Ate no food. All right. Now, the man already admitted he had better fields. He already has better stuff. But I want that one. And Navot said, no, I can't. And he made a spirit. This man made a spiritual decision. But he refused. So he became sullen. He pouted. Enter the devil. In this case, the devil has a name. Jezebel. Jezebel. You know. So here comes the devil to get it for him. The first step toward a complete spiritual power failure is to get our eyes off Jesus. To get our attention focused on somebody or something else. Jezebel's actions wound up being the straw that broke the camel's back. And if Ahab had not been so childish, whimpering and it never would have happened. The man was a complete noodle. I mean, that's what his spine was made of, right? You and I, God has given us the dignity that you and I are the ones who determine how susceptible we are to this kind of stuff. Yeah. We talked last week about the power that is within us so that we'd be filled up to all the fullness of God. What does he say in the two prayers out of Ephesians, pre, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3? The first one, I'm just uh, taking a little snippets. And what is that God would reveal to us? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us? The Greek says into us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. His power toward us and into us is of surpassing greatness. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I was standing over at the quick trip today. I had a tea because our hot water thing was broken. <laughs> and although this was iced and um, I had a... Um, jalapeno cheese roller there with chipotle sauce on it and i had to wait an inordinate amount of time to buy my stuff the reason i had to wait was not because there was a long line but because there was only one clerk working over here and when i'd walked past earlier there were a lot of people but when i came back there was just this one lady and she was busy buying lottery tickets. And I thought, you know, and this was taking a while because she, she, you know, she even had to, she said, here, I've got five, you scratch. And so she had the clerk scratching off stuff with like that. She won, um, she won 20 bucks or 40 bucks. I can't remember which it was. And so she play, parlayed. Five dollars of that. I mean, after all, this is a retirement plan. This is important. And 
you, you know, the, it, it, she parlayed five, five, she goes, give me five more tickets, like this and everything. And I'm standing there going, oh my. Now there's three or four people behind me. Now, we've got a line. And so this, one of the other clerks comes up to one of the other registers. I can help who's ever next over there. And before I could grab my hot dog, three people went over there. All right. I already don't have hot water. Okay. I am, you know, I can almost hear the spirit of the Lord saying, attitude check. I don't know if she won anything else because the fella didn't get over to help me and get me on my way. What is the surpassing greatness? Greater is he that's in me than anything, right? Than a hot water dispenser not working properly. There are people in this world who don't even really know what hot water is if they don't put, build a fire under it. Man, what a what a wiener to cry about something like that. And then Ephesians 3.20. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. So we see the surpassing greatness and far more abundantly. Why was that woman standing there? I'm like, what's the deal? And I looked up and I saw that the Powerball thing is $740 million. Well, no wonder, because of the surpassing greatness of the amount of money that somebody's going to win. How many of you would think that $740 million or 50, whatever it was, is a lot of money? How many of you would consider that an exceeding a great amount of money? Three quarters of a billion. How many of you could get by on that? You'd figure out a way, I'm sure. You'll never do without hot water. Tell you that. All right. God has chosen, notice this, again, I want to go back to verse 19, Ephesians uh, 1.19 rather. It says, the surpassing greatness of his power into, it says toward, it's the Greek, uh, it's, the, it's a three-letter Greek preposition, ice, epsilon, iota, sigma, unless you're the school of pronunciation called ace, epsilon, iota, sigma, which toward is fine, you know, you have that, but it's literally into us who believe. All right. Then you go to verse 20 of chapter 3 and it says far able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to that same power that works within us. God has chosen to work through his people. We are his imagers. And when the enemy presents himself, don't wait on God to come and whoop him because Jesus already did it. It's up to us. That's why it says over in Ephesians, uh, you know, chapter six, take up the full armor of God so that you may withstand, you may resist. Yeah. All right. We have his name. We have his authority. Jesus even said, talk to the mountain. Right. So how is it that we win? Not by merit, not by being smart, but by faith. We lay hold of the anointing of God, that is the grace of God, through faith. But if the enemy can keep me focused on what I don't have or, or something like that, something, anything other than Jesus, I am going straight into the ditch. Discontent, restless, unhappy, 
It completely interrupts my faith. You saw what happened to Ahab. Well, I'm more mature than that. Good. It will interrupt our power flow. It will disturb our walk with God. What is a good thing to do when those feelings of depression, feelings of discontent, feelings of malcontent, feeling that I've been cheated, somebody done me wrong, I can't get ahead, the whole world's against me, and yeah, we've got a lot of people in charge, you know, elites in this world who are trying to turn everybody in this country into a debt slave. There is no doubt about that. But you and I do not have to participate or cooperate with that program. And rather than looking at it and becoming so furious that I go home to get my porch and my pitchfork. I can pray and I can hear the Holy Spirit and I can walk out what he shows me to do because I can walk in his blessing even in the midst of the enemy's attack. And so, you know, what I mean, look at Abraham. Romans 4, 19 and 20. What does it say there? Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. King James says he considered not. That's no, he did consider. It's just that he did not consider what he was seeing, the final word. Now remember, God spoke to Abraham and and it was two and a half decades before Yitzhak came along. Right? So we went without so every day. For 25 years, he gets up going, today? When's it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And he, you know the enemy's just right there. He even had a little help getting into the flesh. All right. And so I, a friend of mine told me the one time he was praying about this and he said that the Lord showed him something. And he said, I saw Abraham washing his face in a bowl of, uh, you know, a big bowl of water. And he said he stopped and the water smoothed out and he could see his own reflection. And he could see what that Middle Eastern sun had done over 75, 85, 95 years and how gray his beard was. And he could look at the back of his hands and go, wow, you know, I laugh at mine because I look at the back of my hands and I see my granddad, you know, and I, and I and I it's like, you know, somebody asked me the other day, he says, man, did you ever think we we're going to live to be this old? And I said, oh, I knew we'd get here. I just didn't think it happened this fast. <laughs> and yet in the midst of all of that, he continued to give glory. What does it say there? Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God. How many of you respect the promise of God? When it comes to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, doing what? Giving glory to God. Now, some people say there's a double entendre here, and I, don't, I think they're probably right. But when we grow strong in faith, that gives God glory. It does. But also that he was a worshiper and worshiped and praised God in the midst of it all. God had promised Abraham the thing he wanted most, a son. And in fact, he finally got one in Ishmael. 
And remember when God came and said, you know, I'm going to give you a son. And he said, he, 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 he said, oh, Lord, just, you know, let's just go with plan B. I've already got a son that Ishmael may live before you. And God said, Ishmael was your idea, not mine. And if Abraham had been like, you know, Adam, he would have said, well, the woman you gave me, she was she, you know, she was the problem. All right. But in Romans chapter one, which is the great chapter that we're reliving today in a very real sense. Um, it, you know, it tells us that felt, uh, that it was the exact opposite of Abraham. Because in Romans 1 and 21, it says, even though they knew God, they did not glorify him or honor him. It'll, that'll go either way. As God or give what? Thanks. Unthankful hearts are empty hearts. Unthankful hearts are hard hearts. If I want to be filled up to all the fullness of God, it absolutely requires me to be thankful. I've got to be able to look at the things God has done rather than looking at the things he should have done for me. Amen. Okay. Now, I'm going to I'm going to go sit down while somebody preaches this to me. Because, you know, I'm telling you, I've waited longer than Abraham for some things. And you know, it's like, I, but fortunately for me, I didn't start out at 75 years of age. In fact, I haven't even gotten there yet. Yay! But it's a coming. All right. I can see it over the hood. So what is he? It says they became futile or futile if you're from across the pond in their speculations. The word speculations is the Lord legitimate. It means to, their reasoning, their thinking. Their considerations. They got so focused on everything but God that their foolish heart was darkened. You might, when you think about, when you look at some of the things that are going on around us today, with the, you know, like this, you say, this is idiocy. No, it's foolishness. And foolishness is worse than idiocy. So, what is, you know, they didn't glorify him, they didn't honor him they were unthankful they were they were you know they lost sight of all the things that God had done for them and like Ahab all they could think about was what they wanted that they didn't have and they became angry with God if you have not been put out with God you haven't been a Christian very long because I'm telling you at some point every believer is just does not understand why God let this happen or didn't make that happen and let me tell you, that's a, you know, that, that can be, if our hearts are not right, that will, can become a crisis of faith. They became futile in their, their reasoning, unproductive and empty in their thinking. What does Paul say to think about? Finally, brethren, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good repute, a good reputation, literally has a good ring to it. If there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, 
dwell on these things. Does anybody think that there is any of that in the news? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't watch the news, but I'm saying we shouldn't be such news junkies that we become consumed with all of the negative things that are happening in our world. Amen. Dwelling, reasoning, thinking about how great it is, not thinking, you know, if I just had this, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. You know, when I finally get that, I'll be satisfied. I, I said that one time to my wife about something, you know, an electronic toy. And I said, when I get that, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'll be happy. She, and she said, can I have that in writing? <laughs> no. You know, if I had just married so-and-so, my life would have been a lot better. There's a lot of people who think that way, and it has been the destruction of many a relationship. Many a marriage. Because that fantasy life, fantasizing how it would be, what am I going to do when I, you know, it just, it, it, it stokes an even greater discontent. Because the, the gap between reality and, and that is, is, so, is so big. And the worst part of it is, that isn't even real. It's not even, you know. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not, you know, it's not wrong to think about the wonderful blessings of God that, are, that we have and that are coming and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, let's face it, you know, I, I, I'll never forget, you know, once in a while somebody who isn't even a Christian necessarily will say something to you that sticks. You go, you know what? And I had, you know, I bought uh, my cousin's Camaro from my, this is, I think it was a 94, 95 Camaro. Uh, some of you who have been in this church long enough remember the silver Camaro, red interior, T-tops. It was a fun car. Had a 305 in it. Talked to a good friend of mine. I said, how do we make this car go fast? <laughs> how do I make that? He go, I said, how do we make this engine go fast? He said, we make this engine go fast by taking it out and putting another one in. He said, there's no hope for that. And so that's what we did. We, we, we put, you know, a, a cobbled together 350 with a, with a, it was a high rever because of, we put a, you know, like a 283 crank in. It was almost like a homemade Z28. And all this stuff, headers, blah, 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 like this. And man, I mean, that thing, it got me in trouble. You know, it just, you know, I, it, I put the black louvered, you know, stuff on the back window of it to really dress it up. <clears throat> and I found out that at about 95 miles an hour, that thing would go, Wah! and it just vibrates so loud. It just. So I asked another guy here in the church that also had a Camaro, how do I make, had, he had him on his, I said, how do you make that, what, what do you do about that? He said, I turn up the radio. <laughs> Not a solution. And I drove it for a while. You know, I'd, I'd, I would only get it out on pretty days and all that. And then, you know, I, I, I drove up to Wayne's shop. And there's a guy that worked there named Bill Woodford. He, Bill was a good people. Wasn't a believer, but he, he's good people. And he said, so how's the car running? I said, it's good. Like that. And he said, well, that doesn't sound real positive. I said, no, it, it's, it's fine. 
And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, the fantasy was better than the reality, isn't it? Or wasn't it? And I went, ouch. I can remember, I should have known. I should have known. Has anybody here ever done work on your car when you were, like in high school, you put something on it, a speed part on it, like that? There is nothing worse than spending a bunch of money on something, putting it, you're, you're walking for four or five days while you get it all together, you get it going, and you take it out, and you have to say, I think I can tell the difference. <laughs> Instead of just ripping your hair out. It, even if it ripped your hair out, it would only satisfy us for a short period of time. Their foolish heart was darkened. There is the power failure. Our spirits become hard toward God. Our ears, spiritual ears fill up with spiritual peanut butter. Because it says in Romans 10.10, 10, For with the heart a person believes. With the heart, real faith is of the spirit. And when my heart is darkened, that denudes me of the ability to be able to believe God, to understand God, to hear the voice of God. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Because you are son, sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons, or his son, into our what? Hearts. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17, that prayer from the backing up a little bit from uh, verse 20, we read just a moment ago, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, in your spirit, so that Christ may dwell. The idea there is to be completely at home in your hearts. How? Through faith. Romans 1 and 24. Those people that were not thankful and their speculations became futile. It says in verse 24, right, that was 21, verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And you can read the things following the description, following that, and see our culture today. Yeah. Very clearly. And a government that aids, abets, and celebrates it. We can become so obsessed with something, you know, things or promotion or whatever it is, that we completely miss God. Being unhappy, being dissatisfied. I'm not talking about settling where I say, well, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea, but I caught Charlie Tuna and he tastes just fine. No, 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 no. Everybody know who Charlie Tuna is, right? Sometimes I'll whoop out these cultural references from days gone by. Um, I'm not talking about settling. And, and God does give us godly ambition. He wants us to strive. All right? But it says in Colossians 3, 5, very clearly, uh, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, 
evil desire, and covetousness, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Literally, it says, which is idolatry. Greed is putting the desire to get this thing, whatever it is. You know, it might not be a thing. It might be, you know, whatever. I mean, it can be anything that we, that we just have to have, you know. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be as obsessed with this, and I understand it, but I'm really working to it. No, no. That ugly dissatisfaction is an open door for the enemy because I'm telling you, when I'm camping out there, Jezebel comes walking through the door with a plan. It's a delight to the eyes. It's good for food. It's desirable to make one happy. Amen. In Matthew chapter 21, and I'll close with this, we see Jesus going into the temple and cleansing it, making a scourge of cords. Beginning in verse 12, it says, and Jesus entered the temple. Now remember, we're looking at a literary unit here. These things are all, everything that we're about to read is connected and there is a theological message that Matthew or the Holy Spirit through Matthew is conveying to us. This isn't just a story. It's a true story. It actually happened, but it isn't just a story. All right. And Jesus, if our musicians would come and Jesus entered the temple and ran off. I like that better than drove out, it, you know, because it's ran off all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling the doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. Okay, so he cleansed the temple, right? He got all of the greed. He got all of the merchandisers. He got all of that cleared away. Verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. It's amazing how when we get that clutter, that garbage out of the way, how suddenly the power can begin to flow. But when the chief priest, now listen to this, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Can you imagine the voice of a nine-year-old? Hosanna to the son of David. And they're, they're, and they're all running around saying, Hosanna, you know, like this. Maybe some of their parents got healed. My grandpa just got healed. He was blind. Look, he's, a, yeah, my grandma, she couldn't walk. And look at her now. And they're, Hosanna to the son of David. And they are rejoicing with exceeding great joy. And the Pharisees became indignant. Now, you know what that means? They raised their voices. They were hot. This isn't just, oh, teacher, restrain your disciples. No. Jesus, do you hear this? What are they doing? You know, restrain them. 
And Jesus said, yeah. He said, do you hear what they're saying? And he said, yeah. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Now, here's what's interesting about that. He's quoting Psalm 8, but he's changing one word. He's, he's not ruining it by any means. But I want you to look at, he says, yes, have you never read Psalm 8 verse 2, how out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared what? Praise for yourself. Psalm 8 and 2 in the Hebrew actually says this. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength. There is strength in praise. There is strength in worship. There is power. That's what Paul meant about the surpassing greatness of the power that comes to us and, and comes in us. And that he wants to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Yes, it's on his timetable. Yes, it's on his agenda. Yes, it's all of that. I understand. But we don't give up. We don't let up. And we don't get in the ditch and we don't sit around singing blues, despair and agony on me. Hard luck and trouble, endless misery. If I had if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Whoa. People, you know, I'll ask people sometime, you know, occasionally I'll say, how you doing? And, you know, I say that to people all the time, but you know, how you doing like that? And occasionally somebody will say. Can't complain. And I don't say it every time. It depends on who it is. I'll often say, well, nobody would listen if you did. Because when the devil gets the pity party good and started, he leaves. It, it even offends him. We are to be, I'm telling you, saints, it's not easy. I, I, I understand that. It, I, it's not easy. But it says, when I start going... Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You and you alone are God. You are for me, not against me. Everything you've ever said about my life is coming, has either come to pass or will come to pass. Father, you are completely faithful. You might not feel that at all, not even so much as a drop of it, but that is the word on your lips. You're agreeing with what God says. You're agreeing with the Holy Spirit. You're agreeing with the scripture. And there is nothing the enemy has has to overcome that I am blessed pressed down shaken together I am the blessed of God we talked last week about happy and you know joyful glad being all those things Jesus was all those things and knowing like Abraham it is going to happen because God said so Yes, there have been many times I've said to God, I know you're going to do these things. I just wonder if I'm going to be alive when they happen. I want to see him. He gets it. He gets it. He understands. How many of you have ever read the Psalms? You know, uh, I think it was Charles Swindoll wrote a book about the life of David years and years and years and years ago. And 
Rehoboam had just taken over for Solomon and uh, somebody, you know, and I realized the time gap there, don't even go there. But he was looking, he was wanting to do a, uh, he was do a, a biography of David and he was looking that there were a few, just a handful of the David's mighty men left. And of course, they're all very aged. And so he goes up to the house and he knocks on the door and a very elderly gentleman answers the door and he said, can I help you? And he said, I understand that you were one of David's mighty men. And he said, the guy just looked at him, he said, if you're talking about a bunch of us who were really for all intents and purposes cutthroats who followed a crybaby around in the wilderness for 15 years he said he stood up and goes yeah i was one of david's mighty men when you read through the psalms you see hear the sound of my complaint oh lord how long all those things are in there but you always see he ends it with worship he ends it with praise with the declaration that God is faithful and what he has promised he will and is performing amen. amen exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works where in us let's all stand those watching by web I hope this has been an encouragement to you if you're living in this day and age you have challenges on the right and challenges on the left. Even I've even read where rich, very rich individuals have said that it's almost better not to have money because then you at least have the fantasy that things would be better if you had it. And when you get it, you find out that that's not true. But there is a solution and his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if you are not a Christian, None of the very little of the stuff I spoke of, of which I spoke tonight is is going to resonate with you other than the complaint part, the missing out. But Jesus will take your life and begin to work in it and through it. And that power, that surpassing greatness of his power can come into you. But you have to make Jesus Lord of your life. It says over in Romans chapter 10 that if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, he is Lord, and that he has been raised by God the Father from the dead, you will be saved. This is not just some formula. This isn't just some little rope thing that you just trips off your lips. It is a heartfelt cry to the Father and a commitment to Jesus come into my heart be my lord and be my savior scripture says if we'll do that you'll do that you will be transferred from under the boot of the enemy and into the kingdom of god's beloved son christian the enemy it says over in the book of daniel that the enemy is laboring overtime in the so to speak in these last days to wear out the saints to wear us absolutely smooth, to where we get discouraged, depressed, defeated, upset, disillusioned, all this stuff. And I'm here to tell you, all of that is a lie. But God is faithful. And you have to make that decision. Plant that flag 
of faith and declaration and say, I will not be moved. I will die on this hill. My God is faithful. And what he has promised, he will yet do. And don't back down an inch. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to hang in there like that, people are going to look at you like you just fell up out of a well. But your life, I can testify without fear of successful contradiction, will become a light to those around you because God will honor your faith. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. O-R-G. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.